Hey guys, this is Steve White over here in London, England. Doing this way. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Cheers. Bye. Hey, this is Jason DeVore from Authority Zero, and you're listening to the Sun Solar Panel Podcast. Welcome to the Phoenix Suns Solar Panel Podcast. Uh, for anybody that is just joining right now that was on the previous feed, apologies, but we are back. My name is Tim Tompkins. As always, joining us, Mr. Greg Esposito. Oh, hoy, hoy. And of course, we could not forget Dave King. Hey, how's it going? I am going to stop talking now, though, so that when Tim gets up and leaves the room, everybody gets to watch on live YouTube because he does this every show. Listen, listen, listen. We we talked about that. It has been, <laughs> it has been a, <laughs> a week for uh, the longest week for a lot of reasons uh, and a lot of great reasons that I don't think we're going to go into on the show. But what we did get out of this week that we do want to talk about is uh, the NBA is officially returning, and that return officially involves the Phoenix Suns with a chance to make the playoffs. Of course, there are 22 teams that are returning. Uh, In order for the Suns to make it, they would need to win all eight games remaining if no other team wins more than five, seven if no other team wins more than four, and six if no other team wins more than three. So basically what we're saying is... just to get into the (laughs) play-in where they have to win two more games to make the eighth seed. So it's actually almost like a 10 and 0 run. So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) But by the way, I got to give the Suns digital team props for putting out a video using that quote. So you're saying there's a chance because they have the worst odds in Vegas, one in 10,000 to win the NBA championship. And they put a video out right when they announced officially announced the, this, this entire 22 team, field using that quote the only thing i wish is that they had actually used the clip from dumb and dumber in that video as well (laughs) so you're telling me there's a chance yeah i am i'm very excited about this um i just i think at least the first few games will be very exciting and i really hope the team doesn't crap the bed in those few first few games because Man, uh, you know, if they go 0-3 to start, it's over. I, I think those first three games go, are the very most important. If they go 0-3 to start, Devin Booker has a headache and he's out for the rest of the season. Oh, yeah. Uh, there yeah. Is no... Or he's just going to, he's just going to, you know, fake a positive Corona test. I guarantee, <laughs> that, I guarantee the league has, has said to everyone involved in this as part of what's going on, uh, the agreement with this is, you are not allowed to sit guys, and they're damn well be a, a legitimate injury if if any guy gets sat. Because with this 22-team format, every, every one of these games could potentially have a, a major impact on other teams. So uh, sitting people would be completely unfair in this scenario, more so than it, than it is... Uh, in the average kind of uh, season towards the end. I think I think the league probably is stressed. There will not be load management. There will not be uh, resting guys. And, and the interesting thing that, that leads me to believe this too is none of these games impact the draft lottery at all. 
that's locked in right. back what how things ended in March. So there will be no. Those we are need... locked in at tenth. Yeah. There's no tanking. Right. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. So, Sorry. so, to me, that that speaks volumes as to the NBA making it pretty clear you won't be sitting players in this, uh, you know, without a legitimate reason. In the chat, Mr. Black Pony points out that the Suns have not had a four-game win streak in about four years. Hey, I, I'm saying – Yeah, but this is a much better team. <laughs> this team has a 40% win percentage, man. <laughs> uh, so, starts, uh, we do get basketball in August. Obviously, that's, that's extremely exciting. Um, you know, we're going to go over, uh, the, the schedule, which Dave put in the show notes and everything. Um, that would Chad, we're the only the ones YouTube. who can see those. So we're going to have to yep. say them out loud. Uh, <laughs> Chad, the chat, uh, wants to know if rosters are extended. I can't imagine they would. I have not heard that. You know, we've heard a lot of things. We even heard some rumors that it's possible they'll pump, uh, well, they'll play some crowd noise on TV. I don't know if they're going well, to play Disney. crowd noise in the arenas themselves. It's going to be weird for the players. By the I, way. I, Disney's going to do something. So I was listening to, to Keith Smith last night. And there are uh, uh, He was saying, essentially, so Keith Smith, um, he is an NBA reporter for Yahoo now uh, down in Orlando. And he was actually the one that floated the idea for Orlando in the, in the first place. Um, and he was saying that, you know, for for the teams with the higher seeds that they were thinking about, well, maybe they could bring their own floors in to give that home court advantage, if you will. But then just having to switch out the courts that many times a day and then right. store the courts and everything. So I do wonder when we actually get farther into the playoffs, which, of course, the Suns will be um, in that mix as well. How can they emulate any sort of of home court advantage for the teams or now it doesn't matter if you were eighth uh versus first well let me let me say this the extended Ooh, uh, greg we just you know you got to speak up something happened with your mic how about now what? uh go a little harder kind of better look i the extended, there you go the the extended rosters aren't going to happen i mean there's still a concern about uh about covid and keeping people safe right so you're just not you're not going to have extended rosters they're not going to bring any more people than necessary well they are bringing 22 teams <laughs> almost the whole league uh so they are bringing more than necessary but uh certainly you're right i think extended rosters is just uh, a little much but then again you lose a couple guys to getting sick testing positive and all of a sudden you're down to like the suns were most of the season well that's there is this better? I think I fixed yeah. whatever was going. On. I I think the advantage for for uh, the higher seeds is if somebody on your team gets sick with corona, you can fly somebody in, but the lower seeds can't. Can't. How about that? That would be that would give an advantage there, uh, a distinct advantage. A sick replacement. A sick replacement. Yeah. Where sick other teams can't. Throw them on a plane to fly cross country. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's what they're so, going to have to do to get there, unless unless everybody's going to go well, private uh, helicopters. <laughs> they're going to they're going to they're all going to pile in a U-Haul and drive uh, out to Orlando together from each city. Yeah, you know what the Avengers plane I think would work. 
Thank you, Dave. Um, so let's talk, let's talk about the timeline for the rest of the year. Training camp, July 9th through the 11th, beginning in uh, just over a month between two teams invited to Orlando. We'll have a three-day ramp-up period to prepare for games less than three weeks later. Uh, that's a little bit surprising. Well, did you expect them to have more time, less time? I guess I don't. More time. I, more time. I, I think they're yeah. gonna, they're gonna have a few preseason games, is what I uh, what I read as still well. Three weeks, right? Exactly. And, and I, I I get it, but this it, like this is a unique situation. I, I think if you think about it, in a in a regular situation, you have about a week of of training camp, and then two and a half weeks of preseason games. So I don't think this is out of the realm of of what it takes to get these guys ready uh, and they're going to be able to start practicing in their home cities uh here in the next uh in the next couple of weeks as well prior to heading to orlando so i think there'll be enough time to get these guys uh at least ready enough uh but where they can shake some of the rust but there's no ideal situation and and how to prepare this with everything going on so i think they're doing the best that they can to to make it work and really for most teams those eight games uh are just tune-up games you know when you're looking at especially for the higher seeds there's not going to be uh any impact uh, really uh, other than get ready get the tune-up get get in in a position uh, well, to be I'll good tell for you the though, playoffs. Greg. So there's still there's still they're called seeding games, right? So, I mean, the playoff teams still have something to play for. I know True. it's not home court, but it is matchups and um, like uh, two to four rank uh, seeds. Two to four are within a couple games of each other. Three to six are within a few ga- a couple games of each other. Um, all the way down into seven, I think is, is really close for juggling. And even though you don't, you're not trying to secure home court anymore, um, you are trying to match up or at least look at your, your potential matchups in the playoffs. So, and like you said earlier, Greg, they're not going to want teams to be sitting their stars. Uh, so, uh, I, I understand some of the higher seeded teams might treat these as just continued warm up games, but, and not, not playoff atmosphere necessarily, uh, which could help the Suns because everyone they're playing is a playoff seed. They're not playing any of their direct competition for for spots. Um, that could that could help the Suns, but it's still uh, seeding and still matchups and stuff like that. I'm really curious if they are going to come up with some kind of home court advantage for for teams because otherwise, what is the point? You know, of I guess it's just one through eight in a neutral place. I mean, I, I guess, I guess that's the way it'll go. Um, but these, these talks of extra time or not extra. Yeah. Extra timeouts, extra fouls, things like that. I'm curious if any of that comes to light. I don't think it will. I think it'll it just, just ruin the sanctity of, of the uh, game and the legitimacy of a championship. I just think it, yeah, it becomes gimmicky. There's nothing that you can really do that, that, that doesn't become gimmicky. I mean, maybe, maybe it's, higher seeds get more family that they're allowed to bring into the bubble. I, I mean, because there's only a certain number of people that are supposedly allowed in this bubble. Maybe that's a way to make it feel more normal for some of these people. I, I don't know, but starting to mess with the actual game starts to feel way too gimmicky. I heard, oh, well, the higher seed will get the ball uh, to start the first, second, and third quarter. Uh, you know, or, or 
and it, like it's uh, okay, but there's just it just starts to feel yeah. like you're you're forcing it, and there's no way to make up for the Lakers or the Bucks or you know or anybody in that upper echelon. Or how about the road team being forced to play their fifteenth man thirty minutes? Right. Or, or every every foul. Bonnie will do that anyway. Every, every, that, that's Elliot Cobo. So every, yeah. <laughs> every foul. How much uh, over over on uh, over over under? Excuse me on Elliot Cobo minutes when the Suns return at twenty. Twenty. Wait, way too many. It's uh, oh, okay. If you're saying twenty, I'm gonna say over. I'm gonna say push. It's gonna be twenty. Jeez. We're all gonna we're all gonna be sick because those twenty minutes are gonna be what cost them a seven and one record and and a chance at the play in game. Um, everything horror asks, what do we think of older coaches not being able to be at the games? I think the NBA is gonna walk back on they, that. They I think already gonna, did. I think they're gonna have to let the coaches. You know, they already said they would talk about it instead of instead of completely cut him out but i i think it's going to end up being um it's up to the coach yeah. and so there's no way you're going to have the pelicans fighting for a playoff spot without alvin gentry on the sideline or the rockets without mike d'antoni on the sideline spurs without or the spurs without popovich i mean this is the spurs have a 22 year playoff streak on the line i mean good for them and their fans that they they're they're the ones most like which team is most likely to call this an asterisk asterisk season, I think it's the Spurs. Uh, it, it's yeah, I, I the Spurs are going to wind up in somehow. <laughs> I just did. Uh, I, I resigned. You... To, to the older coach thing, Rick Carlisle, the head of the coaches uh, association, reached out to uh, uh, to the commissioner after his comments on TNT the other night, and and the commissioner already said he he should not have said that. Uh, and and then likely uh, overstepped his bounds in in saying that, and they're going to have discussions. So my guess is uh, you're not going to have to see guys like uh, Mike D'Antoni and Greg Popovich and Alvin Gentry not on the sidelines. That is a distinct but disadvantage. But they may have to wear teams. those those bubble suits, right? Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> they'll look like Bubble Boy, yes. <laughs> yeah. Which I believe is a Disney product, so they'll be able to uh, fit it all in. It all no, actually, they'll have to dress in one of the character costumes from Disney World uh, in order to coach. So you know, you'll have Goofy and and Chip and Dale. They'll, they'll get to choose which one they want. Uh, but oh that's God. how they're going to keep it. Don't tell me safe. Chip and Dale's. Not, 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 not the kind that you hang out at on Saturdays, Dave. Uh, the, oh, nice. Chippendale nice. Rescue Rangers. Uh, God, <laughs> Dave's so old that when you make a Chippendales reference, he doesn't get that we're talking about the the cartoon. He automatically goes to the uh, male uh, uh, dance club. So, Tim, yeah, Tim's just like, why am I here anymore? Tim's just like, why am I here? Listen. Uh, we're are you guys surprised that the one team that didn't vote for this was the Trailblazers? No, I think they they. There was things. some rumor that they um, wanted only a twenty team playoff instead of twenty two, so that just means they're afraid of the Suns. Well, and I think they <laughs> I think they were in favor of some of the more unique uh, ways, like group play and stuff, because my yeah, guess is well, they figure here's the thing, right? The NBA, this was their one chance to do something cool. And they did it. Like, they could, they could have had a really fun play-in tournament. They could know. have, but the whole thing would have been exhibition. 
Well, that and, would have been I mean, definitely. They, they could have they could have done a lot more than what they did. I mean, this was their one. You know, it's it's like your one chance to go to Vegas. Do you make the best of it? I vote that you do. Well, I I get what you're saying, Tim, and I understand it. And I I, I initially I really wanted something like a like a group stage or or a full play in tournament or something like that. But I kind of get where the league's going. They go they they did something different enough, but in a time of uh, with as crazy as the world is, I think some normalcy is is what the league was thinking people might want. And you're already forcing teams and players to have to uh very much be out of their comfort zone by being in this bubble, playing with no fans, all these different things. I think if you had changed up additional things, things that actually would probably put the higher seeds at, at a disadvantage based on everything we heard because they would have had to play in these group stages and, and things could have, uh, you know, it could have impacted uh, the way uh, their seeding was. I, I, I think I get what the league is doing here. Now, I would not be surprised if the if in the next few years the league does push the envelope and add that midseason tournament and do some of those kind of things. But in this case, I understand that trying to keep it as close to traditional as possible while still giving uh, some of these teams like the Suns, yeah, even even if it's a small chance, a chance to get in the playoffs still was the best course of action. Yeah, you know, I would would I have loved totally different? Yes, but today's point, then it becomes exhibition. It's not really. Uh, trying to officially crown a team it's just trying to fill that void and say well we did play because if if you had a completely different style it wouldn't be a a true champion in many people's minds i have no faith the nba is ever going to do uh, a play-in tournament or a mid-season tournament i mean now or um, anything that is really uh, revolutionary or or try something new uh, you know this was like this was their chance um, but you know what I'm not here to be a Debbie Downer I'm excited <laughs> the Suns are coming back I think that we're all excited that the Suns are coming back and Disney gets basically a, a three-month commercial out of all this which is uh you know pretty fun hey can, so, we, can we spend one minute before we move on just to pour one out for our friend the Vegas Summer League, which we will not be getting this year. It's the one thing that that is uh, that kind of sucks about this, but even doesn't uh, that that we're just it not going to get him a lot of money, a lot of money, a lot of trouble for for well, all of us. You know, that that also. But last year's Vegas Summer League, where you know none of the top tier players were playing, I think if they're going to do it and they're going to have it be successful moving forward, that's something that needs to be addressed. Hey, we got an earthquake that interrupted <laughs> the one game I got to go to that canceled it. So I no. think that was successful in terms of last year. None of us actually got to see a Suns game. Yeah, yeah, that was that was better than that was better than watching Cam Johnson and Ty Jerome play. I I I, I, I now get to say I lived through an earthquake at at, at Cox Pavilion. So. And they never played another game. Yeah, that's right. Or, or we never saw another Suns game. Yeah. All right. Um, you know what? The I did see something go around yesterday uh, that the eight teams that were not invited to Orlando are considering regional um, regional little competitions amongst each other. 
So that might be the uh, the equivalent of summer league. Rec league basketball at its best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watch well, the Trey ten Young through was out fifteen. Playing rec league the other day, he was on he was on video. <laughs> Trey Young just <laughs> tracking it from mid court at the YMCA. That's what everybody wants. Uh, Tim, well, back to you. He, he treats every game like the YMCA anyway. So. Uh, so let's talk about the draft lottery, August 25th in the middle of the playoffs, the eight teams not invited to Orlando. Plus those who did not win the play in tournament, uh, will be involved in the 2020 draft lottery. Uh, as Dave pointed out earlier, I think it was Dave, uh, basically the, uh, the, um, a team order, if you will, is set as of the last day. Um, of the season that was played, I think that was what March uh, 16th. So the draft order is not decided by record, or it's decided, excuse me, uh, by the record on March 11th for teams that don't make the playoffs. Um, so that's exciting, right? Uh, Suns picking tenth. Yeah, the Suns are definitely tenth. Uh, they actually have uh, just like, you know, the Suns can be like one of those teams last year. Uh, three different teams jumped into the top four from lower odds because of the flattened odds. The Suns are still, uh, this year, even at 10th, they got a 14% chance of making it, getting into a top four pick because that's what they do is they, they draw for the top four now. And wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Who's on a top three on your big board? Oh God, no, there's two. There's, there's not great picks, uh, this year at all. Who's top three on my big board? I don't really have one yet. I, I, I can unveil my big board uh, very much like uh, Kellen Olson here. I'll unveil my big board. It's trade the pick, trade the pick, trade the pick. Uh, that, those are my uh, my three that I yeah, think. Yeah, but no one's going to want them because they, they know they can, especially other teams that are, you know, trading up and down is not going to be that that good. Uh, are you In saying fact, people don't oftentimes trade the 10th pick? I'm, uh, no, I'm saying no. clamoring to get the 10th no, no. pick. What I'm saying is that um, the, the, the talent level is so flat this year that having the 10th pick is just about the same as having the third because you're, you're just as likely to get it wrong is what I mean. I'm not saying there isn't three better players than the, the middle. Stay Hi, my name is Tyler Ulis, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, a Phoenix Suns show. Gotta love technical issues. So we lost the feed again? No, we're still going, so just keep talking. Well, it's it's uh, frozen. It, it's laggy. You should be good now, though. We're going now, so sorry to everybody. Uh, it's uh, crappy computer week here on the Sun Solar Panel, uh, brought to you by Apple. We're, we're live. Uh, so we're back. Yeah, we're live. So, <laughs> Have we been live the whole time? Yes, you guys have been live the whole time. So ah! hopefully you didn't say anything too bad. You oh, just lost man. me. So now all that like shit talking that we did is <laughs> live over. That's too bad. That is too bad. Oh. oh. Yes. Greg, we do love you, and we think I don't you're doing think an excellent job. Yeah, look, look at this. <laughs> Now, now they're now they're lying through their teeth. Everybody else can tell me what they said, but <laughs> I love you guys too. Guy. I, yeah, I, we had an IT guy on this group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, all right. So, so let's get down to it. We've been uh, uh, lollygagging for too long. All right. So, a couple things I want to touch on. One is that Gina Menzel officially laid off by I, the oh, athletic. No, she's not. She's not the uh, le, you know. Let it go, singer. 
It's hey, Gina Mizell. I that's why I said I feel sorry said for. Mizell. For okay, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. Uh, I so Gina Mizell. You know what? She probably doesn't care because she's got such a great uh, attitude. But yeah, it's Gina Mizell. So I feel really bad for her. A bunch of the athletic people got laid off yesterday, just like. Uh, the SB Nation people earlier in the week. Um, the journalism industry is just in the tank because nobody wants to pay for any content anymore. Maybe it's people like us giving away free content, like Brightside and podcasts and all that stuff. Maybe that's the problem. But um, no, these guys, uh, I feel really bad for them. Um, the last two people who've, who've covered the Suns, um, well, we still got Dwayne Rankin with Arizona Republic, but got Scott Bordeaux, who was with the Republic the year before, then went to the Athletic to cover the Cardinals. And then you've got Gina Mizell, and both of them and Bob Young also are let go. So, yeah, anyway, uh, I feel really bad for these guys. There was uh, Craig Morgan, who covered the Coyotes, was let go. Jay Diefenbach, who was the editor uh, for uh, the Athletic Arizona, was let go. They are left with uh, Doug Holler. Who is a or Haller? Excuse me. Who is a Haller, uh, Haller who is a former Suns Haller beat writer, uh, who's a former Suns beat writer, uh, as well, uh, who who is still there, uh, and it's just it's it's sad to see it. Uh, I feel awful uh, for people like Gina, Scott, and Craig, and Jay that during uh, during everything that's going on, they now have to deal with that. Uh, as well and it also it makes me concerned for the athletic uh, as an experiment in general too because when you're looking at it that's not a good sign i understand economic downturn uh the pandemic everything uh had a probably had a major impact on this but it's not a good sign when what we feel like it may be the last bastion of hope for sports journalism uh, not not what guys like us do. There'll always be fans providing content like this, but uh, true sports journalism, people that are uh, that are digging for stories and, and are paid to spend their time doing that. This may be the last. Uh, the, a lot of people felt the athletic was the last hope for that, and if we're seeing the same kind of cuts that we see in the newspaper industry and elsewhere with them, uh, that's troubling. Uh, the, the troubling on a lot of fronts, and I think we're seeing this across America in general, that journalism uh, is, is in trouble, and it's the one true way we hold pe- you know, people in power, whether it's in sports or, or elsewhere, accountable for actions, and without that, we, we find a slippery slope, and it's kind of sad to me. Uh, it's going to come down to, especially in the sports industry, somebody figuring out a way to do something truly unique in the way that they're offering content that that drives the subscriptions more than, hey, you're just getting access to this content. Because simply taking the old newspaper model and trying to make it digital isn't going to be enough to be sustainable as we're seeing right now. So it's going to take creativity, unique approaches, uh, unique technological approaches to make it work. And I truly hope somebody in this industry figures out how to do that and how to save journalism uh, like like Gina Scott, Craig, and Jay were doing at The Athletic because we need it. We badly need it. Uh, to, uh, yeah. to, you know, to balance everything out uh, and to help us continue to have access 
to the teams that we love because look i worked for a team i understand that it's a fun house mirror the kind of content that you're going to get directly from a team and that is not a knock on teams i get it they're a business they're trying to portray things in the way that they need but you also need the flip side of that you need somebody willing to say this isn't right like look at what you know uh, in new york and james dolan and and the letter that he sent to uh to the employees of the knicks and and msg if it, without journalism in sports, you don't get that. We, and those are the kind of things that need to come to light so people understand who they're spending their money with and why and what they're supporting. So so the team stuff is, is good, but we need the flip side of that, and somebody needs to figure out uh, how to keep people <clears throat> like Gina employed. It's, it's, it's a sad day for that and the balanced coverage of things. Having having worked in medium from uh, a business standpoint, um, not just sports media, um, but really journalism in general, um, media companies tend to prefer a business model where they can hire the person directly out of college uh, because they're cheaper. They can pay them. $20,000, $25,000, $30,000 Twenty, twenty-five thousand, thirty thousand dollars a year, uh, and fire anybody with experience once they get a little bit too expensive. Uh, it's a general problem in media, uh, sure in sport media as well. Um, I never really felt confident that that business model that the athletic had would be sustainable, because while I think it's great that a lot of people like us supported them, uh, at the end of the day, there just aren't enough people that are going to support that, especially when you have so much free content. Uh, and, and it's no fault to, to websites and, and blog sites like uh, Bright Side of the Sun, we're offering free content as well. Uh, there's, you can get on Facebook groups and just chat with people. You know, it's, it's not the old days of you were going to find out about your team by reading the newspaper. All right, guys, I'm, I'm going to just tell everybody in the chat, you now owe us $50 an episode. You know, that's, <laughs> uh, we're going to completely paid model, and it's going to be outrageously expensive is uh is what uh, what we need to do so yeah but then well, so if we can... actually got into a paid situation then we'd actually be feeding jj jay's uh opinions here in the <laughs> chat because we would suck compared to the actual journalists who just lost their jobs and i'm not a fan of ripping people while they're down and so to call journalism crap right after they lost their jobs is in real poor taste wow. Uh, you know, and, and the thing is, too, that even if a lot of these media companies could afford or decided to afford, you know, because they're all corporations, um, to keep a lot of these journalists on at the end of the day, every time that you, you fire an experienced journalist for a cheaper one just out of college, uh, that does affect the quality of work that's being put out. Um, it, it does fuel opinions like JJ's in the chat, you know, and it's... Um, I don't know. It's too bad. But let's move on to something Suns related, shall we? Yes, let's do it. So Sarver said on Burns and Gambo, he expects Kelly Oubre to play. And he said this twice. This was following uh, about a week after Kelly Oubre made some statements, uh, leaving people to question whether or not he would return to play uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, Kelly's comments were a week before. So Kelly's comments were a week ago Thursday, not this past Thursday. So because uh, I checked in with Cameron Cox, who did the interview. Great interview, by the way. Kelly Kelly made some good comments in that. Uh, and then uh, Cameron put together a nice uh, reel for that interview. And um, Kelly rightly 
before getting checked by any doctors should say, look, I'm not going to come back if I'm not healthy. Absolutely. You're right. Um, but it, it sounds like over the, over the week in between something changed because otherwise Robert Sarver would not, Robert Sarver has not really been somebody who, who, um, is the first person you hear saying somebody's coming back from injury or something like that. He's just, he's not that kind of guy. Um, so I'd be surprised if Kelly had no idea that Sarver was going to say he's going to play. Especially you, you wouldn't be surprised. Really? I don't know. I just, I feel like. There's a lot of stuff that Sarver says that surprises me, uh, but I haven't heard him do that. Look, look, okay. The thing that concerned me about Kelly's comments was, I don't want to, and I'm paraphrasing. I, this is not a direct quote, but it, basically he said something to the extent of, "I don't want to come back if there's only a slim chance to make the playoffs. I, I got a, I got a lot of playing left to do in my career, right?" There's a very slim chance the Suns can make the playoffs. If that's the way he feels, and it may have changed over a week, and uh, and I know Kelly uh, comes off as very committed to the Valley, but if that's his true belief, this is a situation where they have a very slim chance and there's only eight games. So uh, I don't know if, and I, I don't know, none of us know, right? Because Kelly's mind yeah, could have really changed that. But Sarver's comments also could have been the other way, where it's basically sending a message that uh, I, I'm making a point that Kelly will play because if he doesn't, there may be a problem. Now, I don't know that that's the case, but there's also that flip side. We can't just assume that, that Robert Sarver has seen Kelly Oubre's medical, uh, his medical uh, reports, and, he, and he's speaking from a place of, of that either. It could be somewhere uh, in between. And what bothers me is... Uh, when I first heard these Kelly Oubre comments, and, 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 I may, and I likely overreacted, but my first thought was an organization gets slammed for wanting to rest guys at the end of a season if they're meaningless games to try to get better playoff position. But if Kelly Oubre does it, people are going to go, well, you know, it is his health. When I don't really think this is necessarily that he's not healthy enough. It's just... He's, he's thinking, I got a contract coming up in a year that uh, I don't want to do anything in, in a quote-unquote meaningless game that could potentially uh, impact that. Now, I get that. It's his livelihood. I, I, I understand mm-hmm. that, but it, it's just the— He's got to think the, about his future. Absolutely. No, I, I get he, that. It's just the juxtaposition for uh, with— the, the quite frankly the crap we dealt with everybody uh, you know, complaining that uh, that teams were uh, in particular the Suns were resting guys to try to get better uh, better position in the draft which is of benefit to the franchise and in in, in a further extent the fans arguably if you draft right uh, and that we already spent three episodes trying that literally uh, but uh, you know th- that to me was just an odd juxtaposition because I- internally I feel like I should be just as upset with Kelly Oubre as I was with the team for sitting if he if he did choose that. Now, I doubt he will. In the end, I'm sure he, he starts talking with Book and, and, and Aiton, and they they all understand there is an opportunity here to potentially shock the NBA world. But that initially bothered me just from that standpoint. Yeah, so we'll just see. We'll, we'll see. Uh, we're not going to know anything. The one thing, <laughs> speaking of... Um, we'll see about people showing up. I want to ask you guys, <clears throat> who is the Phoenix Suns player most likely to come back in the worst shape when they check in uh, late, late June? 
Let's hope it's Elliot Kobo so he can't really play just because he <laughs> ate his, I worry ate about his minutes. Ricky. He just had a baby. I worry about Ricky a little bit. I would say Frank Kaminsky, but I've seen that video of him working out, so I don't think it's him. Yeah, I think Ricky is an yeah. interesting one. He had the baby, you know, and those kind of things, which means lack of sleep, which, you know, usually impacts uh, impacts. Yeah, here's here's at. the thing, though, is that um, when you got that much money, you also have overnight nannies. Yeah, true. Yeah, there's no way he's doing all the all the parenting. That's no. that's very true. You know, I know people with a lot less money that got those overnight nannies. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I think he's probably sleeping it's all right. Sack up and do it yourself. I have a three and a half year old. I was up at two a.m. and until basically when we did the started the show today. I don't I, care I don't if you have money. I agree with you. Yeah. Well, Seriously, it's more you had, of a matter wait, of fact. Greg, if you were making seventeen million dollars a year, would you tell yourself to sack up and yes. do it yourself? It's my kid. I made the choice to have the kid. Get in there. And, and parent all right um i see some people <laughs> posting this in the in the uh in the chat that deandre ayton <clears throat> would come back in the worst shape no, uh one person not. says we, we, we didn't talk about before but they aren't going to be drug testing so yeah he's, gonna come, back in great shape. <laughs> he's gonna come he's gonna come back he's ready gonna, to you go. know what i think that's a trap i think it's gonna be a rumor <laughs> and he's just gonna start injecting all kinds of crap and then they're gonna say Psych. <laughs> we're all, we're only testing people who have tested positive previously for something. So DeAndre, yeah. you're up. <laughs> DeAndre in his face. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's poor guy. That's spectacular. This when is I, gonna be. He better. He better act like they're gonna drug test no matter what. He better. So, he better act like this is his eight games to prove that he is truly a star. Because if, and I know we're going to get into the schedule here in a second, but if the the rumors are true, they're playing the Mavericks twice. This is his opportunity to say, "Look, I am, uh, I, I I am worthy of where I was selected, and actually have a what? major impact on this team." I'd like to remind everybody: the only game that DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker played together in against the, the reported first three opponents, being Dallas twice and the Clippers, the only game that both of those guys played in, the Suns are 1-0, and they blew out the Mavs with DeAndre Ayton making 11 of 13 shots. And uh, and the, neither Booker nor Ayton, I think, played in the fourth quarter at all of that game. So I really th- And that was a fully healthy Mavs squad as well. Um, so there we go. The Suns are undefeated. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think we I don't believe we've talked about it. Dave, you have it here in the show notes. So this is the uh, potential schedule that's leaked. Correct. So yeah. Well, what the what was uh, Vincent Goodwill, uh, one of the uh, NBA beat reporters around the country? I forget. I think he used to cover the Pistons, but maybe he's now Bulls. I'm not sure. But anyway, he tweeted that the NBA's plan is to just have teams play the next eight games on their schedule. And draw and skip the ones that are against teams that not are, that are not in Orlando. So the eight of the next nine Suns games were against teams that are going to Orlando. So if that works, which it almost certainly won't work perfectly, but if it works, the Suns would have the Mavericks in their first game back. Then the Clipper, they would skip the Minnesota game. That was their second game on the schedule. Skip the Minnesota game. You've got the Clippers third. The Mavericks again, um, sorry, so Clippers would be their second game back then now. Mavericks would be third. Pacers, then Wizards, then Sixers, then Heat, then Thunder. 
Against those teams, the Suns are three and eight this year. Against the, but to me, the most important games, the only ones we need to focus on right now, is those first three. A because they're the most likely to actually stay that way on a schedule because the further out you get, the more disjointed things are going to get with our, with the opposing teams. Um, I would guess that the Mavericks Clippers Mavericks, or at least Mavericks Clippers, the first two games, those are probably going to stay the same. And the Suns are actually um, two and three against those guys this year. They are one and two against the Clippers and one and one against the Mavericks this year. That one Clippers win was the opening weekend without DeAndre Aiden. And then the one Mavericks win was the one right before the All-Star break where I just said Aiden made almost all of his shots and he and Booker barely played in the fourth quarter. And that was a fully healthy Mavs squad that was on uh, some kind of win streak going in. So um, I think, yeah. So Mavs Clippers, uh, they have a win against each one of those teams, but they also have three losses. Hey, look, look I'm, I'm going to say it here. Get the get fire off the hot take cannon. This is uh, this is coming at you. Seven and seven and one. Wait a minute, we don't want to talk about cannons. Right now. Seven and one, uh, right? And Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton lead this team into the play-in game. That's what I'm going to say because this world needs some damn positivity. So I'm going to be the one to bring it for the okay. first time All ever. Right. Well, let's go ahead and make some predictions. Then we're going to start off. Uh, we'll. Cap it out with these. Does Kelly play Espo? Yes. I think yeah. I, I think his teammates uh, convince him that this is important and they need to prove themselves. Um, I think uh, I think Kelly does play. Yep. Yeah, I agree. How many teams get the coronavirus? <laughs> How many the teams full, get full teams? bonafide is the way I wrote it down, <laughs> because all it takes is losing one or two of your good guys. And all of a sudden, you're you're behind the eight ball. Yep. How many how many teams get at least one player uh, uh, testing positive with the coronavirus? I say four. Yeah. Geez, out of twenty two, I feel like it's got to be. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go five. Yeah. Are we? Um, I'm either gonna go zero or twenty two, and because I'm uh, <laughs> feeling optimistic right now, I'm gonna go twenty two. <laughs> you're optimistic. Feeling, you're feeling optimistic. Twenty two. Uh, this damn! Is, this is your home state, dude. Uh, it's a uh, you know, if you want to roll that way, you roll. Haven't with you it, guys right? totally got this under control? This Rona in Florida. Uh, I heard uh, the mayor or the governor saying you guys had it under control. Yeah, it basically think, doesn't exist here, buddy. Yeah, they, um, they don't test there, so it doesn't right. exist. <laughs> Florida. That's the thing about about testing is that uh, if you don't test, you don't have cases. Who knew <laughs> that's how that shit works? That's what. Hey, hey, somebody said that on national TV a, a yeah. few months ago. Who was it? <laughs> oh, I don't remember his dude. name. Let's see. <laughs> Who on the Suns hates the no fans the most? Let's start with you, Dave. Oh man, who on the Suns would hate the no fans the most? It's got to be Kelly. The dude feeds off energy. He wants, he does a lot of things to get the crowd engaged. So I really feel like Kelly's going to be the one most affected by not having any fans in the stands. I'm a, I, I agree with that. I mean, Kelly could, it could be like uh, Samson and his long hair. He could lose his, his powers completely without fans because of how much he feeds off of them. But I'm kind of worried it might be DeAndre Ayton. Because it's not going to feel like a, a an actual game. We know that, and I we've talked about. It, I think it's a bit overblown, but we know that his his focus isn't always at its peak. 
is that impacted or or is it lessened by not having fans in the stands? I think it might be impacted. I think it may throw his game off, which concerns me most. Yeah, we got a, we got a, a couple a people saying guy, Bookie, uh, Booker, Kelly. Uh, yeah, interesting. What do you think, Tim? I, I'd go with a I, I'd toss up between Kelly and, and Javon Carter. I know that uh, Javon really likes to get the crowd hyped up. Um, I think that he feeds off it as well. Who on the Suns loves the no fans the most? I'm actually going to go with Booker on this one. I'm going to go Frank Kaminsky. <laughs> oh, I was going to say. <laughs> Frank. Frank is is not impacted regardless of what's going on. I don't think he cares if there's fans there or not. I think he's just excited as excited yeah. as anybody could be to just play basketball. Get the candy store to get back to basketball <laughs> this year. Yeah, that sounds good to me. We got a couple uh, Dario. Uh, we got a Dario th- um, person putting in book is used to having no fans in the stands. <laughs> Mikel. Mikel would be the one who's completely oblivious to whether there's fans or not. Uh, hey, hey, Duke saying Rubio was a T-Wolf. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, he's not used to fans they've, either. They've all been sons, all right? So this is probably likely to have <clears> a major Well, Booker impact. gets up for actually being on the road and and having teams uh, fans boo against him. So um, <clears throat> I do wonder how Booker's going to handle it. I think the most affected person on the entire floor is going to be Mikel Bridges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That seems about Bring right. Bring on seven points, five rebounds, and three steals in forty minutes. Let's go, buddy. And stone yep. face. He's not gonna care. It's just you're getting what you're getting what you're getting, all right? For whether there's fans there or not. Right. You know, forty five touches and four shots. Let's do it. That's you know, I love Mikel, but dude's gotta shoot more. Uh who is the Suns best player uh for the rest of the season? Espo. Devin Booker, he's going to carry him. Uh, th- this guy is motivated, and I think that's why, uh, you know, even facing the the a massive massive amount of odds against them here, uh, I have some faith that this is going to be interesting basketball for the Suns through this entire eight games. Because I, I, if anybody, we talked about it last week, out of these twenty two teams, uh, might wind up just willing their team uh, to, to make these more relevant than others. I think it's book because he's highly motivated unless the, uh, the Jenner Kardashian curse has actually taken hold. And then that goes out the window. I don't know. The Jenner Kardashian curse. Um, <clears throat> clearly I think it's gotta be um, Devin Booker. Who's the best player on the team. We did a Megapod a few days ago uh, where we had like 40 people on a pod on a, on a zoom call the other night and we recorded it and put it out under the fanning the flames, bright side of the sun network. Um, and in there we had people guess the non booker MVP and there were votes all over the board. I'm just going to go in that spirit and I'm going to say the sun's second best player um, will be Deandre Ayton. Although nobody, in my opinion, nobody will give him credit. They will uh, criticize the two mid-range shots he takes each game, and they'll ignore the fact that he goes 21 and 12 through the entire eight games with two blocks. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Rubio. Uh, they probably you know, that's a really good him. call, Tim. Rubio, uh, yes, thanks, go, buddy. No, that's uh, great. Arguably uh, the most impactful player for the Suns this season. 
he's the one who knows how to actually play in a short tournament and win it. I mean, with all those years with Spain and uh, with two years in the playoffs with Utah, and he's going to be healthy and well-rested. Yeah, you're right. He's probably a triple-double machine who can actually hit 40% of his shots because he's rested. Hey. And because he's wide That's open. A very good point. Yeah. Uh, I think who, Tim's the winner on that one. Yep, very, hey. very good thought there, Tim. Uh, who is the best player off of the bench, Dave? Well, let's go with the assumption that Monty, after those tune-up games, uh, decides that the Bober lineup is the starting lineup, which is Mikel and Kelly on the front line with DeAndre Ayton, and then Booker and Rubio on the backcourt. So that's the Bober lineup. That's the one that has the best plus-minus for the year. And Monty, on a Zoom call a few weeks ago, uh, said that he, in retrospect, he realized he should have well, he can't wait, first of all, if he can get Kelly back. He can't wait to play that lineup again, and he knows he should be playing that lineup a lot. So let's hope he still stays with that. I know there's going to be a there's going to be a desire to play a, a second big, big man next to Aiden because uh, he likes the Dario stretching and stuff like that. But I really feel like, let's assume, I'm going to assume, a Bober starting lineup with Kelly and Mikel starting. Um, I think the Suns' best player off the bench is going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to go on a limb, and I'm going to say Cameron Johnson. I'm going to say Cam is just going to be a sniper off the bench. He's not going to be impacted by the by the tightness of these games, the the high pressure he played at North Carolina. Um, I think Cam's going to still make 40 45% of his threes, and he's going to make a big difference off the bench. Aaron Baines is another candidate, uh, but I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Cam. Uh, Chad is asking who is first off the bench between Dario or Frank. Frank. I would say Frank. I would say Frank for sure. Frank, <laughs> he's our best rated player. Yeah. <laughs> he is best guy on the Suns, according to the Suns solar panel. <laughs> Make it clear to everybody on the internet that that's who we think is the best player on the Suns. <laughs> Oh, you know, we did say that we are resting our hats on uh, Frank Kaminsky getting us into the getting us into the postseason. So, you know, if I tell you what, man, if if there's a dark horse, if there is uh, the 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 guy that makes the largest impact that we don't expect in the first player off the bench is damn well going to be Frank Kaminsky. Hey, the Kaminsky Cove has beautiful weather this time of year. <laughs> uh, just pull up a, a beach chair, socially distanced, and and grab a pina colada that you make yourself. And we'll uh, we'll have some fun in, in Kaminsky Cove uh, as he becomes Finals MVP as the Sun Solar Panels best player. But no, I, I I mean when you look at it, and we talked about it when they were playing well early in the year. I, I think it was a combination of what Frank was able to do and what Baines was able to do that was a big part of it. So Frank so, and Baines, like those those two guys, are, are going to have. Uh, a major impact if the Suns are going to try to do anything. And that's, we talked about it. This is the first time we're going to see a full roster other than game one. And we didn't even really have a full roster for game one because Cam Johnson didn't, didn't play that first game. So there's a chance that if they gel, that we see something special. There's also a chance we see a total dumpster fire, which is fine. <laughs> We're used to that after the last decade. But there's a chance we see something special from this group because they haven't had an opportunity to play. And that's probably the most exciting thing is we're going to get a 
try to judge this roster on at least eight games uh, of hopefully playing at full strength, which makes decisions in the offseason uh, a little easier because you, you get that extra time to see these guys together. That's really what this comes down to, too. I mean, of course, there is a chance that Suns can make the, the postseason, but a lot of this is, all right, let's see what the team's, team looks like uh, fully healthy. It's not a chance. Uh, next, they will make um, the play in Duke's game. Point, he's either going to be Frankie Smokes or Frankie Blows. One of those two. <laughs> we'll have to figure it out. <laughs> all right, Will, the next prediction. Will Ty Jerome or Elia Kobo get more minutes? I'm going to go out on a limb here, start this one. I think it's going to be Elia Kobo. Well, Tim, you already did the over-under on 20 a game, 20 minutes a game. <laughs> I, well, what we what we do know is we do know that Ty Jerome was trash, uh, and we do know that Elie Kobo was trash. But we also know that Monty Williams likes to play Elie Kobo. Well, I think our only hope is that Ellie went back to France during part of this and can't get his visa uh, to allow him to fly back. That's the only way Ty Jerome gets more minutes than Elie Kobo is if Elie Kobo physically isn't in Orlando. So that's an easy one. Yeah, um, obviously it's going to be Elliot Kobo, but you know what? If we see a ton of Ty Jerome, we're also going to see a one in seven Suns record in in Orlando. Yep. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> and you know what? If the Suns start zero and three, we may end up seeing a ton of Ty Jerome. Oh, a lot of Ty Jerome. Uh, how much will the Obra? Is that how you pronounce it, Dave? I made how many that minutes. Yeah. How many how many minutes are we going to see out of that uh, that starting five that you, you talked about? So uh, let me just set the stage a little bit. Um, a standard lineup, a five man lineup rarely plays more than even the best ones in the game rarely play more than 15, 20 minutes as a five man unit in a game because of all the subbing and all that stuff. So, I mean, let's not go nuts, um, but I would expect that they I really think regardless of whether he starts them or not they'll end up playing the most minutes together, assuming, obviously, assuming everyone's healthy. Uh, but if they're, if they're all on the active roster, I would say that that lineup gets the most minutes um, out of any other five-man group. Although we know Monty and we know he likes playing uh, a little bit more traditional, and so I wouldn't be surprised if Frank or Dario get, that, um, get in there with, uh, with one of the top lineups too. If if they want any chance uh, at making at making a run at that play in, uh, that that lineup's going to have to be the most used five man lineup. Uh, I think. Uh, I also I think that there's a less than uh, one in ten thousand chance that that nickname that Dave's pushing for this lineup actually sticks as well. So, <laughs> Bar- Barboa. Bar- well, you can do any other. Yeah. A Barbo lineup, you could say. Uh, I like the the Frankenbanes. That was that was Frankenbanes was good. Frankenbanes. That that was good. I'll give you that. But Frankenbanes. Whatever this nickname you're pushing for the lineup is, uh, try again, please. <laughs> Bobra. Uh, well, you guys do man, realize, isn't that the actor, kind of right? isn't I mean, that the kind on. of tea that people drink with the little ball things <laughs> in the bottom? Like what? I, what? That, that, that's how that's how hip I am, right it's there. Just a, yeah. Look, I'm not the one who made it up. I've seen it all over the socials, and I just uh, said it in my uh, head. That's so how Dave, I say it in my head. Dave is stealing because I I say everything in my head that I read. So. <laughs> Um, so does Bobra Tim. He just says it, it wrong. So <laughs> he put he put this shit in the show notes, knowing that I'm gonna have to read it. Yep. 
<laughs> like, what? Hey, Duke oh, wants to call it the Boomer lineup. Okay, uh, okay Boomer. No, it, it, it ain't. It ain't no Boomer lineup. There's no. Millennial lineup or something. Millennial. <laughs> you know, I mean, how, see how old? How old the, the oldest? Uh, actually, millennials are too old for this team. It's Ru- actually was a Gen Z. Rubio's the yeah. oldest. Rubio. Yeah, is... Rubio's the oldest in that in that lineup. What, what if uh, we well, call them two Kers? What if we call them two Kers? Since you got two uh, of the finalists from the two K tournament okay. there, and we know. Uh, so, Guys, you realize Bobra is like the acronyms of their of their names. Yes, you I can't do. just say two Kers. There's no there's no two Kers in their names. <laughs> well, put them in a different order than than Bobra. Hey. Barbo, <laughs> the Barbo lineup. The Bobra, the Robo, the Rabo the, lineup. The Bobra lineup. The Raba lineup. R O B B A. Raba. No, I don't like any of those. Bobra's great. Yeah. All, all, all pretty trash. Well, this is, this has been fun, guys. Uh, Dave, as you mentioned, that two-and-a-half-hour podcast that you did with upwards of 40 Suns fans yesterday, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, that is available. That's uh, under the Fanning the Flames the header under the Bright Side Network. Under the Bright Side yes. Network. Yes, under the Bright Side Network. In case you're hey, can I just take a couple of minutes to make a fool of myself? I do you, it on a regular You basis. did that already earlier. You want to continue to be my guest. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I do. Um, I feel completely unqualified to make any statements on this, but I feel like uh, silence is, is absolutely wrong, and for us to assume that the world is going to change without us speaking out is absolutely the, the, the way that does not work. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, black lives do matter. I think all lives matter. But you know what? The black ones are the ones who are most oppressed right now in our society across this country and across the world, for that matter. Uh, Aaron Baines got on and did a Zoom call two days ago with local media, and he fell into tears. He's married to a black woman, and he has uh, mixed kids. And he worries, and, and she tells him that she, that she has been treated as less than human. Um, and, he, and I know there's racism in all countries. Uh, but I know it's really bad here as well, and we still treat black people as if they are lesser citizens, and I, I'm very sorry about that, and we really knew, do need to change. And the things you have to do to change are to vote, but vote locally, not just nationally. It's not all about the dude at the top. Uh, vote na- vote locally. Get these people out that, that don't prosecute cops. Because there are great cops out there. There are cops that go every day who want to do the best for society. But there are also cops out there who put a uniform on just so they have a reason to use force. So let's let's prosecute the bad cops so that the good cops don't lose their good reputation. And uh, vote locally. Vote in whatever community you're in. And if you're in a different country listening to this, vote there too because you've got racism as well. So um, let's get rid of racism. Let's let's start treating people with more respect and let's change out the officials who in who keep the racism going through prosecution efforts, through laws, through everything that that holds black people down. Let's let's do something and stop being silent just because we're like in this pod. We're three white nerds with glasses. We don't know what it's like to be oppressed. Mm -hmm. And God forbid you actually I actually walk around thinking because I didn't have a little bit of a lot of money when I was a kid that I was I also I don't have white supremacy. Well, you know what? White supremacy is is and when white um, uh, preferential treatment happens, no matter what we always we, I get more chance to succeed in life 
than a lot of people out there. And I, I recognize it and I've got to use it uh, for good and not just use it for my own benefit. So I really hope people actually don't uh, just hope this goes away. I know we're all going to get tired. The protesters are going to get tired of getting beaten up by the cops and tear gassed and all that. And people are going to go home and then they're going to forget about this crap. And then we're not going to change out the local officials. You've got to vote. You've got to vote. And, and Dave, uh, I, I, you didn't make an ass of yourself at all. I'm glad you went here and, you know what bothers me most is the, and I know I play the, uh, you know, the, the, the funny guy on this show, but, uh, you know, I, too, I have serious thoughts like Dave. And what what bothers me the most is that people feel like by saying Black Lives Matter, it's somehow diminishing other lives. That's not the point. It's the fact that for too long we've treated our fellow human beings with darker skin as if they were lesser. Uh, systematically, we've done that. Uh, systemically, they've been held down by the system put in place in this country. At one point, uh, our country said that they were two-thirds of their fellow human being, or, or three-fifths, excuse me, of, our fe of their fellow human being. Like, this is not about diminishing any other life. It's about trying to raise up our, our fellow human being uh, that, that's been oppressed, has been held down, and has been given disadvantages at every turn. It's about recognizing that and accepting that there's more to this world than just what our own experiences are uh, and being all right with, with admitting that maybe we have been part of the problem, whether, whether we actively were doing things that, that caused the problem or not, the inactiveness is, is just as, is bad. And we need to step up and try to help our fellow human being or our black brothers and sisters out there uh, to be able to be on equal footing. I, you know, they, they, that's, that's what's going on here. And it drives me nuts that people can't just simply admit black lives matter. Say that. That does not discredit anything else. You know, you have to be able to take just that little first step uh, to, to acknowledge the bigger problems. And so many people are unwilling to do that. And, and that bothers me. There, there is so much work we have to do. America isn't perfect. Uh, it, it never will be. But we have to continue to strive to make it better. And that's what the promise of this country is and always has been is that there's the opportunity to make it better. And we all have, uh, have an obligation to go out there and try to do that every day in every action we take. Uh, you know, and and that's, that's what this is all about, is trying to make things better for our fellow human being. Uh, it, it doesn't matter skin color. It, it's about that's another person over there that we need to make things better for. They should not fear... Uh, being pulled over or not fear walking home uh, that that they may get stopped by by a cop there there's just that's the problem we need to work harder to try to make things better across the board for other people justice Thank you very much no peace i completely agree with with you guys um i honestly have been really disappointed being in uh saint augustine during all of this and I wish that I lived somewhere where um, you know I could I could be out there and I could be out there with the protesters and I think it's it's sad 
what our what's happening to our country, um, what the systematic racism that that black and brown people have had to suffer through. I think it's fucking disgusting that uh, we live in a military state, uh, that we have leadership that literally has uh, a military out there without badges uh, that don't say. Also, private cops they have are. not been trained in de-escalation methods. They've just been given it's, a baton. Yeah, the whole, the entire thing, uh, you know, is fucking sad and it's gross. And the one thing I can say is that right now um, feels like something that has not happened in my 37 years of, of being yeah. uh, on this planet. And it's inspiring to see everybody out there using their voice and as a lot of other people pointed out these aren't like the demonstrations of the 60s um it is not only black people out there marching it is a coalition uh, a multi-race coalition out there um demanding change and it's not just happening here in america it's happening globally it's inspiring and everything i'm seeing from our government uh is absolutely disgusting i um, i agree man and it's 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 gross. And, you know, there's there's that one quote, uh, you know, from from the Bible where uh, Jesus, one of his uh, followers goes away. Um, and, you know, there were a hundred of them. And, you know, they essentially said, well, what about us? And, you know, he said, well, you guys aren't the ones in trouble right now. The one that left is, you know, and that that whole attitude of um, black lives matter. No, all lives matter. Yes, all lives matter. Uh, but all lives aren't the ones with people with their knees on their necks, you know, and it's it's I have family members that are were were uh, more enraged by the picture of Colin Kaepernick kneeling than they were with the cop on that man's neck. And it's that's disgusting. the disgusting yeah. part. Yes. Well, I mean, I, obviously, all of this is disgusting, but that is disgusting. They were more disgusted with Colin Kaepernick silently kneeling during the anthem, but still respecting it and listening and paying attention than they were with a guy kneeling on a, a dude's neck killing. Well, and, and the other thing, I know a lot of people are worried that, that this is the reemergence of something we thought had, you know, in terms of uh, the way things look in this world right now it's very disheartening but to me i hope this is the death knell uh, of racism and this white supremacy and not some kind of massive uh, reemergence on, on on a major stage i hope this is this is the the, the last that you know the the last gasp of this and we as a people can stand up to it the way that we've been seeing that is what's encouraging is that it's not just uh, african-americans who are, who are speaking out against it it's it's a broad coalition and that's what it's going to take to change things uh coach fallen founder in the in the comments said uh somewhat unrelated but i agree with barkley's comments on drew Brees that the cancel culture needs to end drew said some bad stuff he apologized uh, and is, and has done amazing stuff in the co community. I think that's true too. We have to we have to try to en enlighten and teach people uh, as part of this as well. And and myself included, I still need to learn and listen and, and figure out more. Uh, I I think you know we just need to be trying to figure out how do we help everybody get better. For the love of God, vote go vote. Yep. You got to vote. You can't just wait for them. Once these protests are over, it's gone. No, it's not gone. It's never been gone. 
So it's not about getting out for the protest because you're likely to get beat up anyway. Um, what it's about is voting. Vote local and then vote federal. And on that note, uh, we'll be back next Saturday. Thank you uh, so much to everybody that takes an hour out of their week to join us here on the Sun Solar Panel. Uh, for myself, Dave, and Greg, we will be back next week.